The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Video games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the end of a calendar year and best of list of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who already knows the best game of 2025, Josh. How are you doing this evening? <laughs> The best game of 2025, huh? Well, maybe. Well, we can talk about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe I do know. Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I don't know that I ever considered us the end of the calendar year or on the best of any list for gaming podcasts, but I mean, I'll take either. <laughs> really. Yeah, I just figure, you know, end of every calendar year results in a whole bunch of best of lists. Yeah. So those are things that go hand in hand. Just like board games and video games go hand in hand in our podcast. Uh, you joke so much better when you explain yeah, it. Yeah, you see, I thought you meant we were beyond a best of gaming podcast list for the end of the year. I mean... We are not. One can hope, right? One can dream. <laughs> it's good to have dreams, Josh. It is. If the, if Xbox Empire could end up on kind of funny gaming podcasts, then we could at least make a gaming list, right? Not saying they didn't earn it, just a coincidental, weird, uh, uh, circ- circumstance. No, the words they're escaping the brain and just look coming out of the mouth. Anyways, <laughs> I can't stop them, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I feel like you're wanting me to step in and save you. No, and here I just sat no, no, silently. no, <laughs> no. I deserve what I just did. <laughs> no, I'm saying cra- a crazy amount of. Um, coincidences could have also happened to us. Not that it's on par with what happened. They yeah. deserved it. We just they do deserve it. We just doing good work over there. We could make the Dice Tower Podcast Network's top five podcasts. I bet because <laughs> I mean, there's only like six active podcasts. Honorable, honorable <laughs> mention. <laughs> we could do it. I'm so. gonna email Tom. <laughs> Is it too late for? <laughs> Uh, uh, but how was your weekend, Josh? Oh, just magical, magical. Uh, before we started recording, mm-hmm. my son decided to projectile vomit uh, twice in the living room after eating his dinner. Um, and then when I brought him into the bathroom, he sneezed and and vomit came out of his nose. <laughs> And then I said, okay, stand in front, sit sit in front of the toilet on your stool in case you're going to get sick again while I go clean up in the living room because it was all over the um, carpet in the living room and the floor um, and everything else that it splattered onto, which I'm sure I missed some things. Uh, as I told him to wait, which he was doing a great job with as I'm cleaning up, he came back in with a hairbrush and he said, Daddy, I want to brush my hair. I said, that's fine. Just go do it in the bathroom. You can brush your hair. And then I'm still cleaning. He comes back out and he says, look, 
I did it. I brushed my hair. I said, hey, good job. And then I looked more closely at his hair. And I noticed there was something in it. And I was like, what is in his hair? So I, so I said, hey, what's in your hair? And then I followed him into the bathroom where he is now smearing toothpaste all over the toilet seat. And we have pink toothpaste. So it was very noticeable. And then I looked at the hairbrush and it was full of toothpaste. So he had taken the toothpaste, put it all over the hairbrush, and then brushed his hair like hair gel <laughs> with toothpaste while I'm trying to clean up vomit. <laughs> uh, it was comical, this, I guess <laughs> is the best way to describe it, knowing that my vacation starts tomorrow and I will be trying to potty train him by myself. Also, this is a heck of a way to start that week. <laughs> well, at least you know your toilet lid is all fresh and minty clean then for all the time you're about to spend in the bathroom over the next week. Yeah, and if he pees or poops on the floor, I can try to get him to do it where the toothpaste or the vomit was. <laughs> you know. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, that day. sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, it kept me on my toes. He was a real good trooper about it, so and luckily he isn't feeling um, bad. It just was one of those... Things that happen to children where they don't sit still while they eat. And it's not my fault for not having him sit at the kitchen table. I was being a fun dad and letting him eat while watching Octonauts on Netflix instead. So he kept getting out of his seat and moving around and chugging his milk. So it all mm. comes back to me, as mm. essentially. <laughs> well, at least you're taking ownership for what's going on. That's the, that's the important first step. I have to, right? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta take ownership because I go crazy if I don't. I just always assume he's about to throw up. <laughs> That's no way to live. <laughs> I, I assume that of my dogs often. That every time they're going to, they go somewhere in the house that's not by me. I assume they're going to go to the bathroom or throw up somewhere. Yeah. Well. Yes. With my dog, I totally thought that, that was the case too. <laughs> just a lot easier to clean up. <laughs> Or they eat it, or they eat it themselves. (laughs) That's that's also very true. Luckily, my dogs don't tend to do that, so I'm pretty lucky (laughs) as far as that goes. But yeah, yeah. Hey, we uh, had our first measurable snowfall of the season. Hey, congratulations! I mean, it was an inch and a half, so we weren't breaking any records. I think we had ours too between when we recorded and now. Right? I oh, think I had... I, no, I think last time we recorded, you said you had, had shoveled all day. Oh, that's... Or had just shoveled. Okay, okay. Yeah. So... Yes, you're that's right. That's what made me think of. Yeah, we just had our first and, you know, went out there. That that annoying amount where it's way too little to do, use the snowblower for. Yeah. So you're out there with your shovel and like, this just... It just takes a while, like, because shovels aren't fast. Not because it's hard work, necessarily. So... That was nice, though. Kind of got me back into the winter spirit, if you would. Now, based off the weather this week, I, I anticipate all that snow will be gone by this weekend again. Really? But, you know. What's your weather yeah, this Yeah, we're supposed week? to get a little bit warmer again and get rid of all that, so. That's fun. We'll we take it. We have a Christmas Eve storm coming. We're about to get another 10 inches of snow. <laughs> that sounds pretty exciting. And I'm on vacation, so I don't have to shovel it. So you don't have to <laughs> shovel, so that's even better. I mean, other than at your house. Yes, I still have to do that. But really, who's going anywhere? Do I have to do it? Yes, because well, it will get hard and freeze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you know, we... Hmm, I have this social pressure with where I live that when I shoveled on Saturday morning, 
I went out and shoveled right around 10 o'clock. Yeah. And basically every one of my neighbors had already long been done with their shoveling. They did so, it way earlier, yeah. Yeah, so I always kind of feel this obligation that I have to like get out there and get it done right away. But we don't – I don't know how this works for you all, but our mail doesn't come directly to our house. Oh, uh, we get it delivered right to the house, yeah. So our mail, we have there in our neighborhood. There's basically like a little central mailbox that all – and we have a key for like our little area, yeah. our little – for our house. So I have to go get my mail for the most part anyway, but there's so many packages that are delivered now, which I feel kind of bad about because so many packages are delivered that even though they go drop the mail there, they still have to stop at like every house. So they're doing it anyways. Yeah. So, yeah. So I always kind of, because there's only two package lockers and those obviously, you know, two houses for the whole street. Everyone's getting everything delivered right now. So it's pretty pointless. I'm like, you might as well just drop off the mail at the houses, but they don't, which I understand. But yeah. I find it very humorous. You know, so. What's crazy about that now that I'm, I'm thinking back to like when I was a kid in like the 80s, in the 90s, like people who had those mailboxes around here, at least in some of like the small towns, they would just put packages on the ground underneath those. And they would just trust that the right people would take them. How insane is it that that, that much has changed since then to now? It's kind of sad. <laughs> It is kind of sad. Like kind your, of sad. your Gloomhaven's going to get stolen just because someone tried to deliver your mail. <laughs> yeah, porch pirates just driving around Ugh. taking people's stuff. I hate it. Now, yeah, now I rush down. If I know a delivery's coming, I go right out to get it so it doesn't sit out on the porch. I am lucky that I live in a place where I, I think the probability of something like that happen happening is pretty minimal. Hmm. I also am pretty lucky that my neighbor two hours down is a police officer. So oh, their nice. vehicle is sitting outside of the, like, and they work overnight. So all day their police vehicle is sitting out front of their house. So yeah. I think it just is going to naturally dissuade most people yeah. from like randomly walking up <laughs> to a doorstep uh, right around there and just taking someone's package. I just don't think most people are going to feel confident, even though there's no one in that vehicle. You know, like, Yeah. Why risk it? Right. Yeah. yeah why risk it? So yeah, I, I that is a luck thing I guess I do have, so. That is nice. Speaking of weather, it was 60 here today. Whoa! It's going to be 30 tomorrow. Excellent. That's that, love. Is, that sounds like Iowa weather right there. <laughs> so. Hey, should we uh, do a podcast? I mean, I think we're doing one. <laughs> <laughs> I do think we are. Should we do one on topic? Uh, I mean, is that what people want? Sure. Why not? <laughs> Begrudgingly, let's do it. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Just a little few additional pieces of housekeeping. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking, for the most part, about our board game retrospective for 2020, talking about some of our favorite games that we played, all that good stuff. Uh, We'll start with a little bit of new stuff, but that's going to be the focus this week. The next couple of weeks are really going to be talking about video games and our favorite video games of the year. Uh, So we're going to be recording that one a little bit earlier than usual, and we're going to split it into two episodes. That'll kind of get you through this year, which means that Metafall, the recap show for that, will be 
basically the first show in January. So don't worry, we have not forgotten about Metafall. We will still award the prize winners, all that good stuff. It's very, very interesting <laughs> because of when games came out, how games came out, some of the rules specifically about like which versions of games are the ones that we need to use as far as scores go. Uh, so it's going to also it'll be helpful to take some time to kind of sort all of that out. So don't worry, we haven't forgotten about it. That'll just happen very, very early in 2021, which feels very weird to say. Uh, but that's kind of an overview. Just, so you know, um, this week, board games. Next couple weeks, video games. Then Metafall in early 2021. With that, Josh. Hi. What is your first topic this week? Well, uh, we have to talk about Cyberpunk. No matter what show we're doing, we kind of have to talk about it. So I have like a, let's start talking about an article and then we can kind of talk a little bit more about it. Sounds great. Uh, so the news came out and I accidentally linked a Jason Schreier article. Ugh, ugh, good grief. Um, but this popped up actually on my phone out of all places before anywhere else. Um, basically, it's from Bloomberg. It's a Shire article, and it's uh, essentially covering the fact that um, CD Projekt Red is changing their developer bonus structure after the release. Uh, what I find, well, I find a few things interesting about it. First of all, they're saying so right now it has well as of writing the article, uh, it had a ninety out of one hundred on Metacritic. And that was dangerously close to not a good enough score for the developers to get <laughs> Which a is bonus. Mind blowing. So um, that is the first crazy part, um, and then the good part I think is that they've decided to change the structure so that they will still get their bonuses, um, despite what is being called a, a buggy launch that is disappointing shareholders. Um, and I don't really want to get into too much about the bonus structure. Um, or anything like that. But what I do think, what I did want to talk about is what are our thoughts on them changing the bonus structure when they, they definitely didn't have to do that. Um, they could have kept the bonus structure the same and then their employees wouldn't have gotten bonuses. Uh, but when we talk about Cyberpunk now, when we talk about bonuses, we kind of also, and we talk about Jason Schreier, we kind of have to acknowledge the crunch so to speak um at cd project red and 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 what the crunch was for what was it for because by all means it it doesn't seem like what they told us the crunch was for is delivered the result that we were told was why the crunch was <laughs> just parse that into a like a sentence that makes sense do you so let's start with what do you think about them changing the bonus structure? Well, to start with, the game still is at a 90 for PC. Okay, for Holy PC. Holy strong right now at a 90 on PC. With that being said, can you imagine the PR firestorm they would get <laughs> if they hadn't changed this policy and the game yeah. dropped to like an 89 <laughs> and then suddenly they were like, "Yo, sorry developers, none of you are getting your bonus." Can you imagine the PR nightmare they would have had on their hands. Yeah, it's kind of insane. But it's also insane to rely on review scores for bonuses, knowing how toxic the gaming community is. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it is still disappointing that Metacritic scores are still tied to bonuses. I know we've talked about that before, mm. that it, it really does stink because 
it can be getting a 90 even is still really really impressive getting a game over 90 or higher on metacritic is very challenging yeah extremely challenging and honestly some of our favorite games when we do our game of the year or most of our favorite games when we do our games of the year for this year are not going to be over 90s agreed mid 80s maybe even upper 70s for some of them it's very challenging to get a score that high so it's not surprising to me that they changed it I'm glad that they changed it because, goodness gracious, I think this shows that their leadership at least is slightly, has a little bit of something going on in there that says, hey, we really <laughs> need to prevent what's going to be a very bad look if we don't change this. But Josh, with all this de- all these delays, all the mandatory crunch, all that stuff, can you imagine how broken this game must have been eight weeks ago? I can't, actually. That's one of Not the things. Not three months ago? Like... <laughs> That's one of the things I was gonna say because I can't. I really can't imagine, like, seeing all of the content that's out there, with like what the PS4 version looks like, what the Xbox One version looks like. People, um, I I replied to someone on Twitter because someone was uh, someone made a comment about. Um, I don't even remember. I should probably pull it up. Some something to the degree of like imagine, like, can you believe? what these like um last gen versions of this game looks like and i was like do you don't you understand that every version of this game is a last gen version like they're not you're not buying a ps5 version you're buying a ps4 game you're buying an xbox one game you're not buying next gen a next gen game which is i think something that's also hurting them is the people who don't understand the difference between like the next gen upgrade in next gen gaming and then all these different reviews where people are still reviewing it on Xbox Series X even though it's an Xbox One game and people are still reviewing it on a PS5 it's very confusing um yeah. but when it all comes down to it yeah i can't even imagine what they were looking at 3 months ago or the fact that it could have released in fe- february march when was the original release date april I- I think April. I think it was April. The fact that it could have, like, that they were, like, shooting for April is insane based on what I'm hearing and seeing. Yeah. Um, uh, have you played this yet? I have not. I was going to, and then I, after reading everything, because I have, obviously, you bought the Xbox version. Yeah. I only have an Xbox One. I don't have That's right. <laughs> a next-gen Xbox. So, in looking at what people were showing and what people were experiencing and even just in reading the chat in um our discord i just decided to wait because till a the game gets more patches b maybe by that time you know i'll have potentially purchased the next gen you know a next gen xbox or you know we'll we'll wait and see how that all shakes out but i i couldn't I'm playing games right now that i'm having a really good time with and really enjoying <laughs> and There was a strong part of me that wanted to be part of, you know, the cult of the new, the zeitgeist of everything going around with this game. Yeah. But I also want to have my experience with this game be as good as it can be. And right now does not seem the time like that is going to be true. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep playing what I'm having fun with. And once, you know, a few patches come out and things get a little more stable, uh, then maybe I'll jump into (laughs) cyberpunk. So we talked and we talked about what I was thinking about doing and I, and I said I was going to try it and if it wasn't great, I would probably just sit back and wait, you know, and play um, any other game we have on the PS5, you know, 
Um, uh, I, uh, I haven't had any, well, okay. It, the game looks great and runs beautifully. Honestly, the first bug I ran into was four and a half hours in. But, and you're playing on Series X. On Series X. Um, yeah. however, I was very comfortable, like, telling people, like, I'm so sorry that you're having issues, but it's been great and it looks incredible for me. And I haven't had to turn off any of my settings. HDR is on. Like people have had to go in and turn off all these like effects, mm-hmm. all after effects and things like that. I haven't had to do any of that, and I wasn't I th- like all all the rays. They're all tracing all over the place. It's like a J.J. Abrams film on my TV. It's great. Um, and then yeah, and then there was a couple hiccups after like four and a half hours where it would freeze for a second, but it would pick right back up. And that happened twice within the next you know hour. So I mean it's annoying, but it wasn't game breaking. And then, and then I had a a load that just the game just it was stuck. I couldn't do anything. I had to force quit. Um, and I loaded it back up, and it put me right back to that spot. And after like my save was still intact, right back in the exact spot where I was. Um, that's probably a Series X bonus, not necessarily happening on the one. Um, but I think I'm gonna keep playing honestly. Um. I know I, I don't necessarily have to because I could wait, but there's three different um, character backgrounds you can choose, and I, I'm enjoying it enough that I think I started as Nomad, and I think what I'll do is if I can finish it, because the story is actually relatively short compared to what we thought, um, I could probably start a new career when the next-gen patch comes out, if it comes out, <laughs> because I'm also a little hesitant on their timeline meaning they haven't even announced when they plan on releasing it except for 2021. And based on everything I'm seeing on the internet about this game, I don't know. This might be like Halo (laughs) infinite launch. (laughs) Like we may not get this next gen patch until November. So who knows what's going to happen, but I'm enjoying it so far. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm glad you're having a good time. I think it's very day. Right now, (laughs) right now, uh, on Metacritic, and obviously user reviews uh, are always a mixed bag. Uh, for PC, the user score is a 6.8. On Xbox One, it's a 3.7. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and on PlayStation 4, it is a 2.8. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it makes sense, right? That's unfortunate for them. And there's like, I think, I really think there's a great game buried underneath this nightmare of I can only think of maybe Assassin's Creed Syndicate being now Unity being like this broken on launch. I can't think of mm-hmm. another game that has been like this widely panned. Do you feel like CD Projekt Red is getting the appropriate level of frustration from people? Uh, no, I don't actually. Because uh, could if <laughs> Xbox had released a game in this state, do you think people would be pretty different about how they're treating things? Yeah, I mean, they're awarded this um, like immunity to a certain degree because of the Witcher series. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the only series they put out, and it's arguably, not in my opinion, but in the internet's opinion, one of the best gaming trilogies ever made. So, like, you're kind of given that. I don't know that if E, I think another a, qu- a good question would be like, if EA or Bioware only made the Mass Effect trilogy only, mm-hmm. and then they put out Andromeda, would they have been the same? Like, 
like forgiven the same way. And the problem was with EA, they had a whole bunch of other and Bioware had a whole bunch of other issues that like like muddled that. But I don't know that we've seen another company experience this. Even Ubisoft, so many other games besides Assassin's Creed. So it's a very unique situation, which is maybe why people don't know how to handle the the criticism or lack thereof on CD Projekt Red. I think right. really what it comes down to is like they must not have had a clear vision or message within their own team to to be at this point where they're like, unless the message was, we're releasing this game no matter what. <laughs> well, yeah, they had to make all their money back on day one like they did. <laughs> yeah, like they would have made it back day one, period. Right. I think, maybe, is this the question? Do you think that they let the internet pressure them into releasing this now? I think there were some financial ramifications that they had to. Yeah. Because we heard that they have made all their money back on day one, both production costs and advertising. Yeah, it's insane. They made everything back on day one. So to me, that says there had to be some reason this game had to come out now. Because otherwise, what would if you already knew you were going to make all your money back, three if you pushed it three more months, how many more copies would you have to sell to make your money back then? Right. You know, and the word of mouth probably would have been much more positive. It seems evident to me. That this should never have been a current-gen game, but they had to make it a current-gen game because they needed that user base so they could sell 8 million copies like they already have. That's true. I mean, and it was always built as a current-gen game. And to, to like shift gears so close to an next-gen launch well, would probably anger every single one of their fans. It was built as a PC game oh, that they then shoehorned <laughs> into a current-gen game. I mean, The Witcher 3 is on the Switch, right? So if they can get that on the Switch, they can. They should have been able to make this work on Xbox One. You know? Yeah. And so maybe they'll put all this money back into the game immediately, and maybe we'll have patches every week, and maybe we'll get this game playable. You would think that needs to be their priority, right? Is to get this money back into the game. Right, but how much then are they going to have to push their people to get these patches out? It's going to be like Anthem Part 2. Yeah, well, and they're just constantly now, it's like, okay, they had crunch to get the game out, Yeah. but now the game is out and just broken for a lot of people, so now you have to fix that. Yep. So it's not like you suddenly just get to take time off. No, and it's not like, these aren't things that I don't think you can just surface patch. These are things that they're going to have to rebuild a lot of stuff. I think my favorite glitch that I saw so far, well, there's two of them that were really good, but the one I think- You're thinking of the one we wouldn't talk about on this show, (laughs) I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. (laughs) So I think the was someone got noticed by the police, so they got on a motorcycle. Have you seen this one? No. So they got on the motorcycle, and the screen went black, and it just loaded and loaded and loaded and loaded, and all of a sudden, they're on that same motorcycle, but falling from- They're just spawned like- Way, way, way up in the sky. Yeah. Way up in the sky. And they just fall for like 15 seconds. And then when they hit the ground, they just like go right through the ground. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm just like. Yeah. And they literally just like walked over to a motorcycle and got on. And that's what happened. And that was kind of cool. It was it was pretty impressive. But I just think about the all of the memes and jokes for like Spider-Man Miles Morales, where you could turn into like the dumpster oh, yeah. or the heater. Yeah. Like all that stuff, which 
I mean, that was pretty much the only real jank with that game. That was the only thing that regularly happened to people and was kind of funny (laughs) in a lot of ways. But uh, this game just, yeah, like I said, just in reading the experience that everyone's having with it, seeing the clips online, which I know obviously most people are only going to put the bad stuff or the funny stuff online. It just really has made me decide to wait. No, no, I'm just going to play this game later. I definitely respect people waiting for sure. I I get it. I just, I'm feeling very lucky because even a lot of people playing on the series X, including Donnie, like had had a lot of issues. So I just Mm -hmm. feel like I'm, I got lucky. Usually I get all the bugs. Uh, actually that's not even true. Usually I get the weird, I usually get the the weird bugs. Donnie gets a lot of bugs, unfortunately for him. Um, I did get one bug, which I thought was funny and frustrating. I was walking and I pulled out my gun on accident and, and it was inside of a building and everyone like, Oh no, actually it was a sword. So a guy was beating up a girl or a robot who knows at this point, um, in front of like a vending machine. So I took out my katana and I killed him and she thanked me, but then she was constantly cowering, like you kind of see in, in shooters and stuff. And then everyone in that um, hallway was cowering, which I get. But then everyone for like five blocks outside on my way, was, was they were all cowering. So I couldn't interact <laughs> with anybody. And I was like, man, word spreads fast because I put my weapon away. I wasn't walking around with it. <laughs> it was just everyone's cowering from me. Everyone within that five block radius was brain dancing someone That's in that right. thing. They're like, oh no, <laughs> this person. They all saw it. <laughs> they all saw it. Awesome. Well, I'm excited that Cyberpunk is working well for you. Um, my biggest bummer about it, though, is I, like, I could try it, I guess, and really kind of talk about it as like, is it a favorite game of the year this year? Because obviously we're going to be talking about that soon. I, I just feel like if it doesn't work out is a representation of where the game is at today, which might not be fair to it. Yeah. But if it does work, then it's almost just like I got lucky. I would be curious how it runs for you, though. Like, even if you did it as an experiment where you played yeah, 25 minutes, I would just be curious because we hear all these stories about how bad it looks on the Xbox One. I would really be curious how it looks um, and runs for you. You should do it. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the Jurassic Park one The that was the takeoff of um, No Man's Sky? No. So there's this video that's going around. So originally there was this video going around for No Man's Sky that was like um, the Jurassic Park music. Yeah. And it's like, welcome to Jurassic Park. And it's like all the orchestral stuff. And then as soon as it says, welcome to Jurassic Park, it's like someone doing a really bad version of Jurassic Park on like a harmonica. Oh, and it's like, yes. it was just these messed up No Man's Sky's dinosaurs. Yeah. So someone did the same thing and that they did it for the 2018 E3 demo. Where it's like, oh. Oh, welcome to Jurassic Park. And then it goes to like current gen, like no textures on anything, yes. like that with that really bad. Her- it's really, That's really awesome. <laughs> so, but hopefully they're able to get things fixed and hopefully in a way that is not uh, causing their staff to have to crunch anymore because I think they've been working their butts off. And like I said, I think the, the, the experience most people are having on PC shows what the game is capable of and the very cool experience that it could give people. I think it's just going to be a bit of time until we get that on console. Yeah, I hear you. So, All right, Josh. The other big gaming news of the week then was uh, this little show called The Game Awards happened. Uh, we talked about this not too long ago where we gave our predictions for winners. We talked about what we wanted to see there. Uh, we got some stuff right. Most stuff we didn't, but that's okay as far as what we wanted to see there. Most of the winners we right. kind of got <laughs> right. I mean, 
we kind of knew we didn't pick Last of Us two, but we kind of knew that it was going to be that, the Last yeah. of Us awards. Those two, yeah. Uh, so for the most part, you know, the winners. I don't think there was anything super surprising as far as uh, the winners went. For me, I think Laura Bailey was a pretty huge surprise. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy for her, but with the amount of like uh, attacks she took, uh, just for voicing a character, I was I was happy for. Her. I was really happy, and it was nice to see her like very like emotional about it like it meant a lot to her even though it's just the game awards award <laughs> yeah you could yeah you could tell it, it was a big deal to her and i think you know the last of us won i think like seven of the categories i would agree abby you know laura bailey uh, winning for her portrayal of abby was definitely i think the big surprise mm. uh, but outside of that i don't know that anything else was really surprising nope. to me was anything else surprising to you outside of that no i was watching with my wife i was pretty much able to predict every award that yeah. Was given out. Yeah. Agreed. Except so for Valkyrie. <laughs> oh, yeah. The <laughs> content creator. Yeah. Yeah. But so we're not going to talk too much about the winners there. You obviously, you can go find those lists just about everywhere um, that they have who won what award. I do think it's interesting for the Game Awards, just as a overall perspective, that this is supposed to be an award show. And they gave out, A, some of the biggest awards during the quote-unquote pre-show. <laughs> yes, they did. But B, <laughs> they just list, like, they would just go and like list a whole bunch of stuff off and be like, oh, yeah, here's three minutes of awards. Now back to 30 minutes of trailers and things, which is fine. Like, I think most people watch it for the trailers. Yeah. But it just seems like maybe we should structure things a little bit differently. Or, I don't know. Or the part where they're like, weird. hey, use Instagram and use these awesome filters and we'll showcase you during the show. And then when Sydney Goodman would show, they would show two people and then they would cut away. So like, yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> it's like yeah. a little weird marketing. <laughs> so, yeah. But obviously there were a ton of uh, game trailers that were shown. We're not going to go through all of them. I was just going to ask you, Josh. I have a feeling I know the answer to this. But <laughs> what stood out to you as far as trailers, things that were shown, anything that got you super excited? Well, uh, that Century Age of Ashes where you ride dragons. like, And it's mm -hmm. not Panzer Dragoon. It's like dragon riding. That looks really cool. It's like Crimson Skies meets dragons. Uh, I thought that looks really cool. Um a Sephiroth, <laughs> this is going to be weird. I was super excited that they announced Sephiroth for Smash so I could get the Amiibo. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I'm not okay. going to buy the DLC pack. I'm going to put him <laughs> next to my Cloud Amiibo. Um, and anytime I can hear the Sephiroth music, I'm excited. Um, that is some good music. Um, that is true. Left for Dead coming back. Back for Blood. No, 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 no Josh. Back yeah. for it's Blood. Left for dead. Nothing like Left for Dead. <laughs> it's by the same studio. Back for Blood. Uh, it's the same game. <laughs> that looked great. Uh, I was super pumped for that. Um, the reveal of Perfect Dark. Super awesome. Very exciting that the initiative is working on Perfect Dark. A, I mean, a full game. One of the worst kept, kept secrets, but yeah, that's cool. But I didn't know that it was, it was going to get announced. It looked awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, we're just doing things I was excited about, not disappointments, yeah. right? Or if you have a huge disappointment, that's fine. The too, Dragon Age 4, we were promised this reveal, and it was just another cinematic trailer. Uh, and it was a misleading one at that, so I wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, at all, in fact. <laughs> uh, Crimson Desert looked really cool. I don't know how MMO it is, um, but it visually stunning, for sure. 
I love the fact that people were really stroked that it was very clearly like in game footage because it was running yeah. at like twenty frames a second. Or oh. Well, you want to talk about something that was running twenty frames per second? How about Arc uh, Two? <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> and uh, man, if you just you just if you want to hear Vin Diesel grunt, just watch a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. You know, and you can just hear him say, "I am Groot," because. Even my wife was like, is he going to say any words or is he just going to grunt this whole trailer? <laughs> That's all he did. He just grunted the whole time. Um, uh, Outriders, it was nice to see them show a quick little tease of Outriders. There was a big surprise for me. Um, I want to make sure I don't miss what else was I, I was going to say. Um, yeah, I mean, Evil Dead the game, like, come on. <laughs> you had me at Ash Williams. Uh, I don't even care how bad the game is. This is a day one purchase for me. <laughs> uh, it is a bummer that it looks like you can't play it solo, but that's okay. I know I'll okay, be able could, to play with Donnie. <laughs> if you could only play one of them, Evil Dead the Game or Back for Blood, Evil Dead if the Game. If you, were, you only could buy one, which one would you buy? Evil Dead the Game. No really? question. Yes. There's a thing called okay. loyalty, Kyle. <laughs> and uh, Bruce... Campbell as my undying support and loyalty. I played Fistful of Boomstick. It was terrible, but I played it. <laughs> um, I almost bought his character in Dead for Daylight, but I just never got into it. But you can buy Ash Williams in Dead by, Dead by Daylight. Sorry. Um, I'm sure I missed a couple of things that I was excited about, but I saw Evil Dead on the list in my mind blinked up so what about you what were your exciting moments josh you're skipping i know what was i'm sure i the am biggest one. Oh, mass effect <laughs> yeah yes i am skipping that's exactly what i uh was forgetting um we got a tease that what i've been asking for for what eight years now a follow-up yeah. to shepherd a follow-up to n7 we got to see a quick teaser a cinematic teaser with Liara uh, brushing off a snow-covered N7, I don't know, elm emblem or clothing item or some of or something. Uh, we saw the mass relays destroyed. We saw a lot of great stuff for uh, OG Mass Effect fans, and yeah, as the kids say, I was here for it. <laughs> So here's my question for you, Josh. I know it's it's gonna make me sad, but you can ask it. No, I don't. I don't think I maybe will. I guess I don't know that for a fact. I don't, I'm not trying to make. No, it I know sad, you're I'll not. Say at least. So we saw Dragon Age four, and then you know, same studio, <laughs> we saw Mass Effect. Yeah. Uh when are either of those games coming out? Based off what we saw. <laughs> this is where the 2025 <laughs> thing came in at the beginning. Yeah, of the show. actually, I was thinking that it was gonna be Cyberpunk is playable in 2025. Oh, gotcha. No. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, we're a ways out, right? Uh, as as excited I was, as I was to see Mass Effect, it made me sad realizing how long I'm going to have to wait. Um, but, you know, I mean, that just shows. I want the game to be done, both games, Dragon Age and Mass Effect. So I'm not that worried, right? I have, I still have to play and finish Dragon Age Inquisition. I have played it previously, but never finished it. And I still am looking forward to the Mass Effect trilogy, um, Legendary Edition, whatever they're calling it. So plenty of time to play those games, right? 
And I guess we're seemingly going to enter a lull for next-gen gaming in like a week. So I guess I'm going to have some time. <laughs> it seems like we got some time in between releases. So uh, take their time. Like, this is a thing. This is the mantra. We should have... I wish everyone would keep this. Maybe Cyberpunk would have come out next year. Like, just get the game done. I'm excited for a new Mass Effect. I don't want you to rush storytelling. I don't want you to to use the Frostbite engine. (laughs) I don't know if I have any control over that. Um, uh, I want a good story, and and I want them to take as long as it takes. Like, obviously, we'll get Dragon Age 4 probably, what, two years before the new Mass Effect, just based on production timeline. But, hey, 2021, pass. 2022, Dragon Age. 24, Mass Effect. I'm happy. Do you think... If we all make it that long. (laughs) Do you think it would have been more effective had, instead of doing a trailer for Mass Effect, will return, is basically all it said, nothing else. Would it have been better served for them to do a trailer for Mass Effect Trilogy Remastered, whatever it's called, with like a release date? Yes. Do you think that would have been a quote-unquote better idea for them? 100%. And I also think, like, if you think about back in the day, um, maybe like PS3 era, 360 era, if they just put that trailer at the end of completing the Mass Effect... Oh, goodness gracious. Legacy Edition, where you like earn it, you know, like, remember when you used to have to unlock videos in games? Like, obviously, it would leak on the internet that day, but, like, to make it something where they already cut the trailer, you earned this trailer. Um, there's so much of a rush to put stuff out now. But, yeah, if they just gave us a date for the new Mass Effect trilogy remaster and showed us some gameplay, like, what are we going to see? Like, how much better is it going to look? Show me the elevator. Right? Show me the Mako. Like, show me how you fix things. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, that would have been way better um, than what we saw, even though I loved what we saw. <laughs> I th- Yeah, I was surprised, I should say, by how excited people were about the Mass Effect trailer. And there's some exceedingly deep dives already that have happened. Oh, yeah. Kind of analyzing, <laughs> like, every little piece of everything. But... I- and I'm glad people are excited. I think the reason I was so taken aback at the level of excitement, though, is what they just told us like six weeks ago that they were making a new map. Like, they just told us that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's why I think I was surprised by how over the top excited people got because we just found out on N7 Day that they're making a new one. It wasn't that long ago. So I don't know. That's cool. I'm glad people are excited. I'll definitely play it when it comes out. You know, we'll see if I finish it. <laughs> Andromeda and three looking at you uh but yeah we'll see we'll see what happens i I think it's cool uh yeah i think the arc two trailer was disconcerting (laughs) i felt funny the entire time i watched it i was sitting there Uh, and i'm like why is vin diesel in a turok game wait this probably isn't turok what is this i it just looked funny his head on that body it was the weirdest uncanny valley just i didn't understand what was happening or why he was there the animations looked bad yep. i thought <laughs> yeah like everything looked like really weird and then the girl like stuck out her tongue at the end like i oh it was so bizarre josh i watched that thing and 
when it was said it was arc i'm like oh that makes sense and they're like arc two okay great i actively have zero desire to play that game now none that trailer turned me off from having any desire to play that game and if arc two is anything like arc one that trailer is uh 100 misleading as to what the game is actually like well, maybe it's going to have a story now because they're having an anime or an animated series now, too. So maybe they're really going and leaning into the st- story thing. And maybe it'll be great. I want every game to be good. I'm trying not to be come off as a downer here. But, oh, man, that trailer just for whatever reason really rubbed me the wrong way. I felt very uncomfortable with that whole thing. Uh, yeah, other than that, though, I think you hit on a bunch of the highlights. For me, the big thing was just um, seeing a release date for Returnal, Housemark's new game yeah. for PlayStation 5. Uh, I'm a big Housemark fan, uh, so seeing that have a date. I was kind of surprised that that is coming out in March. Yeah. I guess I'm not super surprised, but I thought Ratchet & Clank would come before Returnal, and maybe it still will. But that, to me, means based off of how little we saw from PlayStation and realistically overall how little we saw from Xbox, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see either one of these, especially PlayStation, but maybe Xbox too, have something in early January, a update, state of play, whatever you want to call yeah. it, um, to really kind of kick off like, hey, here's what you know the first part of 2021 is going to look like. Because we're starting to get some dates for some games, and 2021 is starting to get actually kind of full. Like There is a lot of stuff out there, uh, but... It would not surprise me to see get a little more concrete. And I think with COVID and just all those things, it does seem that it's much harder to lock stuff into place. Uh, so that might be the reason we haven't seen a ton of dates or we saw a lot of 2021 or 2022 for stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah. The only other game I was going to talk about or point out was uh, the Callisto Protocol. Yeah, I was going to mention that if, if we didn't get to it because I forgot about it. Yeah, so uh, I think probably, I don't know, four times I said, are they making a new Dead Space? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> During that trailer, it looks really cool. Um, so I, I, you know, was never like a huge, huge Dead Space person. Like I played them, but I'm kind of a scaredy cat, so I didn't play them too much. <laughs> uh, but uh, Glenn Schofield, uh, whoever sees Striking Distance Studios, um, are the folks who are making this, and Glenn Schofield obviously was was the original creator uh, back in the day of Dead Space, and this very, very much looks like a new take on the Dead Space formula. Would you agree? I agree. It was very, uh, and they made <laughs> they made the point to mention it was from the people who made Dead Space. Um, I'm excited for it again. Like you know, as much as I love cinematic trailers, it always leaves me wanting um, to know more about the game. So, uh, you know, we have to kind of just guess what the game's going to be like. But, yeah, knowing it's from the Dead Space team uh, makes me happy. And, I'm, and I hope that we're getting the, the spiritual successor to that series. I hear you. So, Josh, overall thoughts on the Game Awards? I was good. It was it was uh, shorter than everyone rumored it. So my expectations were met pretty good. Uh, it was still three hours long. But, uh, once again, not a lot of awards, which... It made me happy because I wasn't really there for the awards. <laughs> um, you know, it was fine. It was, uh, it was, I was doing two things at once, so it wasn't really like I devoted all my time to them. Uh, it was fine. Uh, I went from it was great to it was fine, and that's where I'm going to land. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I didn't think it was too bad. Uh, even at three hours, I thought it got a little long there. I think having it a little bit shorter wouldn't be bad, but Jeff Keighley very clearly, I think really enjoys games is excited about games loves games very much 
Uh, I think a little bit shorter would be better. And I think it would allow, even if it was less trailers, uh, those smaller game trailers or those smaller moments, I think would shine more if the show was a little shorter. So, yes. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of work to put that on every year. So big props to Jeff for doing it. I'm sure it will be back next year. And the interesting question will be, will Cyberpunk be eligible and up for game of the year? Because, you know, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, everyone seems to forget about. So, but I have no doubts we'll probably still be talking about Cyberpunk in a year. So, <laughs> I'm sure uh, we have to be, right? Because people have to wait a year to play it. <laughs> That's right. All right. So with that, then we are going to move on and talk about our 2020 board game retrospective, looking at back at board games this year, board games in the year of a pandemic. It was, it was odd. So Josh, how will you remember 2020 uh, when it comes to board games? Uh, <laughs> it was a mess. It was terrible. Yeah. Uh, it was very hard to do. It was very hard to participate in. Um. Yeah, it couldn't have been. Well, I don't want to sound dramatic because obviously it could have been, but it couldn't have been worse in regards to board games. I don't think all the conventions were canceled. That's a big one, um, and that's like where board games thrive right now, right? So, yeah, it's t- it's a tough one, but. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> So no, that that I think that actually <laughs> sums it up quite well. Did your interest in board gaming since you played way? Because I'm assuming because one of the questions I have in here is obviously is like how much did you play board games this year compared to last year? And I think for both of us, it's less, probably significantly less. Yes, way, 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 way less. <laughs> despite that, despite participating in the hobby less, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why you saw us talk about it less on the show is we were just not playing as many board games uh has your passion or interest in the hobby waned at all or how are you feeling about that aspect were you as participative and looking at videos and looking at board game geek and all that stuff or where were you as far as those things go no i mean it made me want board games more (laughs) if anything you know like it's it, I guess if you want to look at it in the positive way, it really showed me how important board games were to me, like in my life, and and how oh, what do I want to say? How important they are socially to me, and how much that affected me. Um, in fact, just like doing our like top five board games and trying to think back onto, you know, what what did we play this year? How many games did we play? How hard was it to get those games to the table? Um, it's just been tough, and it makes me sad to think about. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, but I, you know, you know, played considerably less. Um, I honestly, I, I don't think I watched many dice tower videos this year either, and mm. that's something I like daily would watch i think i watched like tom's boring unboxings and that's pretty much it i didn't watch too many reviews because i didn't really think i'd be picking up the games um it was just i don't know i, I think it kind of fell off as my social um uh, interactions fell off like i kind of like like gave him a pass so to speak yeah i started by once the pandemic started really kicking up and I was playing games less, I 
consumed less board game content. I definitely listened to less podcasts, watched less videos. And part of it, I think, was, I don't want to say, like, insulating or trying to protect myself, but I didn't want to think about the fact that I wasn't going to be able to play games, really. Yeah. And by listening to those things, I was just like, wow, that'd be cool to do, but now I can't do right. it. And I was just getting really, like, upset and frustrated about the fact that I couldn't play games. Yeah. Uh, like, I used to be able to. So I just stopped listening to and watching and all that stuff because I was just getting sour about it. But after time passed and after the reality of what 2020 was and is and and how things are probably still going to be for a while still uh i began to really miss just the things about board games and being as in the know about board games as i had been in previous years so over the last three months i would say uh i have definitely significantly increased um the amount of board game content i've watched and listened to again yeah uh, including reviews i am now going back and watching reviews for all these games i was like oh i didn't know that was one of the hot games of this year that's cool because i just had kind of stopped and removed myself from that in in order to try to be a little insulated and be a little happier with like hey be happy with the games you have and the games that you can play yeah. don't be worried about the games that <laughs> you can't get or even if you get no one will be able to play it with you anyway um so it really has increased as of late and it's something that I not that I ever stopped enjoying watching them, but I I watch videos and and listen to podcasts now about board games with a renewed sense of like awe and wonder and like fun again. Yeah, like I know I'm not gonna be able to play games like anytime soon. Still, like vaccine stuff is obviously though starting theoretically now. Knock on wood, a ways away until all that stuff gets taken yeah. care of. Uh, I I think maybe because there is a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, I feel. Like, it's okay to be excited about board games again and about getting together to play games with people. I agree. Uh, that's something that is something to look forward to for sure. Cause we need, we need to, we need something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly, it, it seems like for the most part, most board game companies seem to do okay and weather the storm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same with movies, right? They have like this backlog of stuff that was done and is ready to go out. I think the bigger question will be next year, what's going to yeah. happen with board games um, in all basically forms of entertainment. No, I, yeah, I agree there for sure. Uh, so for us, I think part and parcel of board games, especially since we couldn't go to FLGS is really. Yeah. Um, here they were closed for a pretty significant portion of the time of the year. Um, and even when they were open, I wasn't really feeling like going to browse. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not high on my priority list to just go to a place and stay in there for, you know, an hour while I looked at games. Yeah. Uh, so Kickstarter was definitely a big, uh, thing mm. for me when it came to like looking at or considering games. Uh, what were your Kickstarter activities like this year? Do you like have, do you know what you backed? How many games you backed similar to past years? Kind of where you're at with all that. I do know what I backed. I don't know, uh, in comparison to the previous years. Um, but I think I have locked down where it started. I think in 2020, I started with, because I think Everdell, Spirecrest, and Belfair were 2019. Yes, so, it was the very end of 2019. Uh, I think I start with Calico, which is a game I backed, a cat game. Uh, Tranquility, which is a cooperative card game. Uh, School of Sorcery from Dr. Finn's Games. Just basically like generic Harry Potter. Um, Foundations of Rome, which I have a hard time believing it's going to fulfill in January. 
I think they're la- <laughs> they just sent an update. I think they are a little bit behind, but I don't think significantly yeah. behind. So so that may be that's that's a big one I'm really looking forward to. <clears throat> um, the Matchbox Collection from Thundergriff Games, which is like ten individual games. Uh, Frosthaven, Kodama Forest, which I already have. Uh, Ozonia, which is a um, interesting deck building game. Which should be arriving soon. Soon, yeah. Um, board game clips, which is, you know, I already got those. They're just clips to hold your boards together. Um, the Whatnot Cabinet, also by, well, that's from Pencil First, but also Dr. Finn. Um, I backed Kitty Spring, the most cat-friendly water fountain on Earth. <laughs> um, and lastly, I backed Cascadia, um, uh, which is by Flat Out Games, who also did Calico, uh, which is a, like a... Um, wildlife habitat board game which looks really cool the art looks really nice um i would say back to considerably less amount of games uh, uh over the year but i also made less this year so i think it makes more sense <laughs> that does make sense yeah no i agree there i my year uh i backed um some overlap some not uh, i backed oath the chronicles uh oath chronicles oh, yeah. of empire and exile from leader games uh, that should be, I think, supposedly coming in January, but I think it's going to be a little bit late, too. Uh, so, obviously, Leader has done some great games previously, so I was really excited to, to check this one out. And it's a very interesting concept, too, with how the game works, where you can, like, save it and continue on. Hmm. So, I'm really interested to see how this game works. Uh, Foundations of Rome, as well. Really excited for that one. Uh, another game I backed was Good Puppers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> lost at Good sea. Puppers <laughs> is potentially lost at sea. Um, so the ship that was carrying it lost, I think it was like 1,900 uh, containers over the side, which I thought wasn't possible. I was like, how could a ship have that many containers on it? But apparently they have way more than that. Uh, and they don't know for sure if they're, if Good Puppers was lost because they had to turn the ship around then and go to port and they have to evaluate everything that's there. So they have started a new production run, though. So basically the printer is just started. I'm I'm assuming people have insurance for these sorts of things. I hope so. <laughs> um, so they have just they are reprinting now everyone's orders because they won't know probably for weeks uh, as to whether or not their, uh, you know, shipment or their container is one of the ones that went over to the side, <sighs> which was kind of interesting to think about because a they sent a picture of it which was terrifying to see like the state of the ship because it got in a really bad storm but i then did some research josh the number of cargo containers that get lost at sea every year is us it's so many of them josh so many things are just on the bottom of the ocean floor mm, uh, you you don't think it's pirates <laughs> i think it's johnny depp <laughs> <laughs> i mean it could be i guess it could be, but I don't. I mean, <laughs> it's easier to write it off as being at the bottom of the sea than pirates boarded our vessel. <laughs> That's true. Uh, the, uh, pirates boarded our vessel and somehow were able to remove these huge cargo containers from our vessel with no problems. But yeah, so anyway, good puppers. Um, and then Frosthaven, which obviously Josh is also mm. with. Um, and then actually, all the rest are the same Asonia and the whatnot cabinet. Nice. So that is what I backed this year. I also backed less games this year uh, than previous years. I think a big part of it was definitely not lack of interest. There were a number of games I was interested in, uh, a whole bunch of things I looked at. But I also have received a lot of Kickstarters this year, and I still have more outstanding, like Sleeping Gods is still one that I haven't gotten yet. So still kind of waiting for that one to show up, which should be soon-ish. 
Um, it was supposed to be here in May, and it's still not here. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, I I just because I was playing so many fewer games, I wasn't able to get through stuff. Yeah. So I kind of am getting to the point where I gotta start either culling from my collection because I am running out of space. I am running out of space for board games, so I can't keep just adding them because eventually I got to find a place to put the thing when I get the thing, and I'm running out of places to put stuff. So I'm going to have to start kind of culling my collection, I think, and, and going through and making some space and, and you know, potentially generating some funds to buy other games that way as well. But yeah, you know, excited for all the games that I backed, looking forward to all of them. I think that they all have some cool, unique um aspects to them and i think that's kind of the big thing other than the good puppers which is just for fun because it's a dog game um and it was like 17 bucks it was super cheap <laughs> uh including shipping uh most of the games were pretty expensive uh and but they also have something i think that makes them like different yeah you know there's something there that i think makes the game a little cool or a little unique or something that i'm not gonna be able to get uh some other way so what do you think 2021 will hold for you as far as Kickstarter goes. Are you are you planning to continue at the pace you were this year? Reduce your pace? What do you what do you think is going to happen there? Well, we kind of we talked about it a little bit. I I I'm worried and interested. I think there's going to be a lot of board games on Kickstarter in 2021. I think so, too. but I think the problem is it's going they're going to be from big studios, and it's going to really dwarf these people trying to get a name for themselves. Um, and I, and for me, it really just depends on the first quarter of the year, how it goes. Do we get back to normal? Do we get back to semi-normal? How, like, I still go to work not knowing what the next day is going to be like. Yeah. And if I'm going back to work. So I'm trying not to think too much about 2021. I don't want to be overly optimistic. I'd rather set my bar super low and be like so happy about the results or just like accept the results. So, um, I mean, ideally I would love to back more Kickstarters next year, um, and add to the collection, but realistically I should be playing more games I have and I should be working on like kind of dwarfing my collection a little bit. So, um, the, the nice thing about Kickstarters is it's about a year from when you back it to when you get it, so there's time. So I'll know next year, at least I'll be getting less games in the mail than yeah. usual. So um, we'll see. Um, but I'm I'm more curious and interested to see like what what's going to come out on Kickstarter. Um, I, I think at least for the first quarter, I'm definitely going to be more picky about like like there's a there's a we talked about this last week or two weeks ago. There's uh, the boys board game on Kickstarter. I haven't even even like humored the idea of backing it. And then <laughs> any other year, I would have been at the highest tier for that. So like, I think it, I think it says a lot to my frustrations on where we are. But um, you know, I hope I hope for the best for next year. So um, let's hope I can back a bunch of games. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. There. How often do you check? kickstarter do you like check it every day do you check it when you just hear something is like cool do you check it once a week how do you manage like keep a track of what's offered i usually wait for someone to tell me something's on kickstarter but um there's another board game uh company on youtube called tantrum house and every month they do two kickstarter videos they break them up in halves so they'll do the first half of like january and the second half of january on kickstarter so i'll usually like watch that when it pops up on my like subscription feed and 
and kind of see what games are coming out on Kickstarter. And like, I don't like go and like bookmark them, but I'll like try to make like a mental note of specific games that catch my attention. And also like I've kickstarted so many games. I'm on everyone's mailing list. So yeah. a lot of times I just get an email saying back another game by Jamie Stegmeyer or, you know, so that, that pops up too. Yeah. I do get those pretty regularly as well. Uh, there actually is, there's one game right now. Are there any games you're considering backing right now other than the boys? Maybe, but nothing's on like in the top of my head. Like you might say something and I might remember it. The only one that's really there for me right now is Aqua Garden. Yeah, I saw that one. Where you get to make where you get to make an aquarium. That seems kind of cool. I don't know that I've ever made an aquarium before. And that seems like kind of fun. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm gonna get it, but that's kind of the one. I always I think like once a week I just kinda go in and peruse Kickstarter to see what's available, what people are doing. Um the Alhambra big box yeah. second edition is on there. And I really like Alhambra a lot. Uh, but I already have the first big box, and I don't really know if I want to pay for the second edition of the, because Queen, their games are good, but they're really not that pretty. Their components are pretty mediocre, and goodness, are they expensive. Yeah, you're not wrong with anything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but they're good games. Like, they play really well, which is the reason why I tend to like them. But, oof, man, I feel like you're paying a lot for what you get with them. So Yes, you can get them on sale at conventions, so that's when we buy our Queen games. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, enough about that. So then, Josh, unless you have anything else about Kickstarter you want to say. No, we got, we got a good coverage on that. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Well, hey, do we want to talk about uh, some of our favorite games of the year? <laughs> yeah, let's cover all the games we played this year. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to talk about our top five board games of the year. Now, important thing to note, we are not necessarily cult of the new when it comes to board games. Uh, we try to keep them relatively recent. So we'll talk about our top five games that we've played this year. All of mine, Josh, are 2019 or 2020. I don't know about yours. Yeah, I don't think anything's earlier than 2019. Yeah, so they're all 2019 or 2020. Some of them are like very end of 2019. Oh, one of mine fact, was very other... Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. And then others actually like were out in 2019, but I don't think you could actually get them unless you had like back the Kickstarter. Sure. Like you wouldn't be able to actually get them until 20 this year. Um, I actually have six on my list, so I hope well, that's okay. Well, good for you. <laughs> I know. Go me. Go me. I have six on my list, so I'll do my six and my five at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but Josh, what is your uh, number five game? Oh, well, you know, you put me on the spot now. <laughs> um, my number five game is Harry Potter House Competition. I'm sure I'm messing up the, the rest of that name. Um, B- Battle for the Hogwarts Cup. Um I probably, if I played it more, I, I might have enjoyed it better, um, but I haven't only one play. I still really liked it. Um, I liked it enough for it to make my top five. I definitely did luckily play more than five games this year, as much as I joke about it. Um, I think it's still a solid work worker placement game. It's just not the best worker placement game. There's a lot of better ones you could play. But that Harry, the Harry Potter theme definitely adds um, a bunch uh, to it. Definitely makes it something I'm happy to keep in my collection. Um, uh, but ultimately, it's number five because, well, it's better than Catch the Moon and Unstable Unicorns. Um, but those are also good games. Um, and uh, it's just not as good as my other four. But uh You've heard me talk about it. I don't want to like give you like a full on review. 
Um, but you think think um, I don't want to compare it to Stone Age necessarily. I talked about Pie Town forever ago uh, by Renegade Games. It's more similar to Pie Town in the way the worker placement works because it has more of a job feel than like typical worker placements as you're moving somewhere to get something. And while you are certainly doing that in this game, it really feels more like work for the characters than it does as like gaining resources. So um, it's more similar to Pie Town in that regard. Uh, solid game. I would love to play a four players so you can get all the houses in there. We only play two, which is, you know, typical for us. Um, but it was, it's a good game. Not great, but good. Number five. That says a lot about 2021. Awesome. <laughs> 2020. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So my number six then, uh, like I said, I'll do six and five here. Uh, my number six, uh, it's a game that definitely came out in 2019, but I played for the first time in 2020. Uh, and it was a game that I know Josh enjoys quite a bit as well. We actually have been fortunate to have the designer of this game on our podcast, uh, and that is Fantastic Factories. So hey. uh, this game really has come into the consciousness again this year because it recently had the Kickstarter for the expansions. Yes. Um, so that recently just happened not that long ago. So you're starting to see this game kind of creep back into uh, the, the hotness, if you would. And also it was a game that um, I think realistically became much easier to find this year uh, and a game that was was easier to access and get to. But Fantastic Factories, uh, a neat little kind of card drafting, hand management, set collection game uh, where you are trying to build the most efficient factory that you can. Um, some simultaneous action on there, some variable player abilities and things that you're going to do. Uh, it's a fun game. It's something that's really easy to recommend. Uh, even if you're someone who isn't uh, super into the hobby board game, area uh it or you haven't played a ton of hobby board games previously it's not so complicated that you're not gonna be able to understand it but the more that you play it um you'll really start to understand uh how to build those engines and how to really um maximize the factories that you're trying to build so there's enough variability with all the different powers and all the different cards that exist uh that it's a game that you can play multiple times and and you know always explore and find new things um and with the new expansions that they have coming as well i think it's just really going to add to the staying power of it uh so that's my number six fantastic factories and honestly the reason i have it at number six is because it's definitely the oldest game on here um so i just kind of <laughs> took that a little bit into consideration as well uh my number five then is a game that we have talked about more recently on the podcast and is a game that I have some things I really enjoy about it and some things that are worrisome to me, but I think with future plays, I'll be able to kind of uh, negate those worries a little bit more. And that is Tidal Blades, um, designed by Tim and Ben Eisner, uh, published by Druid City and Skybound. Uh, we talked about this recently, really beautiful game. You know, we, Josh and I both backed the Kickstarter for it. So we have like the ultimate edition that has all the miniatures and it looks really great, but really cool. Again, uh, you know, you're taking your champion uh, and kind of choosing your actions by moving them to different places throughout the board um, and then kind of taking the actions that happen there. So very much, you know, your kind of standard worker placement game, but there is also some card dra card play that happens in there. There's some fighting and dice rolling that happens in there. Um, some almost drafting of dice in a way, but improving um, and taking your dice and improving the quality of them too, which I think is a cool mechanic how you can 
take what is a very basic dice and further refine it and further refine it to kind of maximize the chances of getting what you want to when you roll it. Um, so overall, really cool. I just felt that some of the characters were a little bit unbalanced, and that might just be because I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Uh, but overall, you're <laughs> too hard on yourself. Of, <laughs> <laughs> enjoyed my plays of Tidal Blades this year. So with that, Josh, what is your number four game? Well, you'll never believe it. Is it Tidal Blades? It's Tidal Blades. Whoa! So my number four is Tidal Blades. Um, I think for the same reason that you said, I I only have one play out of it. You have more. Um, but I only have one play. We definitely messed up the monster fighting aspect of it, uh, which gives me more hope, actually, because uh, I really enjoyed it. Um but I agree, it did it did feel a little unbalanced in certain aspects, and um, uh, I would say, in general, everyone's experience was, uh, everyone's enjoyment was a little different, but everyone was excited to play it more. So that's always good. Like, when we walk away from a board game after playing it for the first time, I think when everyone's excited to play more, that's a great sign. Um, and actually, I'm forgetting... That I played We Are Doomed this year. I would probably put that at number six because that was fun. Um, but that's a party game, so we don't talk about party games, right? We're too we're too cool for those. Um, <laughs> I, that we are not too cool for anything. I don't think. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, I love the art. I I really want to get into the lore. We just didn't have the time, but I'm excited that it's there. Um, I I really like the uh, the options, the range of the choice that you have in the game. And I like the fact that I know if I play a different character, it'll play completely different. So I like the variety as well. Um, obviously production quality pushes it a little higher. Um, for me, it probably could have been five. Um, but I'm looking forward to more plays. So, uh, title blades did something for me that I think, uh, shows what's the word I want to use. Good favor for them. So good Grim Forest I played because I won on the Gen Cant 2019. Also done by Skybound Games. Um, and I was impressed with the quality of work. And Tidal Blades is no different. So now, honestly, what do I want to do? I want to get every James Hudson game. I want to get every Skybound game. Guardians call um the the villain game I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it um um grim masquerade uh the walking dead one something to fear i think is what it's called like they do a bunch of games but they don't do so many that you can't collect them all like they do enough where you can just be like i'm gonna get all the druid city games games or skybound games games so i'm excited to explore more of their catalog um because i have, now i have confidence like we talked about people or designers or companies we would always buy something from. I, I, I think that Tidal Blades helps cement that like comfortability in, in supporting or backing a company. Right. No, that's awesome. That's a great pick for your number four. Hey, thanks. That was a great pick for your number five. <laughs> My number four uh, is a game that I have mentioned on this podcast, but I have not really had much of a ch- I hadn't had much of a chance to play it. But I've now gotten a few more plays in, and that finds this solely at my number four. And that is Fort, uh, the deck builder from the folks at Leader Games, divined by Grant Rodike. 
artist by uh, artist by Kyle Farron, who has done all of Leader's art, and so they have a very distinct look to their games. And some people love it, most people love it. I really like it, um, but it might turn some others off. Uh, and the real big reason that this game sits at number four is this is ostensibly a deck builder, which I really enjoy deck builders. I, I don't think there's anything. Um, inherently wrong with that by any means like the deck builders are are for me tend to just automatically bump up in how much i enjoy them that's, that's kind of where they go but this game does something really interesting in that it allows you or you could potentially lose cards from your hand um to your opponent oh. and that's not something that happens very often where the cards you don't use like when you're on your turn and you're making your decisions about the cards that you're going to play if you don't use the card in your hand or one of the or the cards you don't use in your hand go into your yard and then your opponent can take those cards. So you have to be very thoughtful all the time uh, as you're going and kind of building and, and choosing what cards to use and when to use them. Not only about what are you choosing to use, but what are you choosing not to use? And are you okay with your opponent having that? Uh, so it just really takes what is... Sometimes like a uh, card games, especially deck builders, you kind of have like a take that mentality to them where I'm going to do something to you. Well, now it's really just you doing it to yourself, right? Right. You chose not to use that thing. So you kind of give them the option for taking it. And I think that's a really neat uh, way for the game to work. It is a two to four player game. I've only ever played it with two. Um, I, I would be very interested to play it with four. But from a theme perspective, the theme is really cool. Your kid's building a fort. Um, so, you know, you have things like pizza as a currency <laughs> and all that good stuff. But uh, really cute game, really fun game. A little more complicated when it comes to the deck builder side of things, but one that I really enjoy. Fort is my number four. Josh, what is your number three? My number three is a game called Crown of Imara. Now, the, my number three, two, and one are all older games. I was way off base when I said 2019, <laughs> 2020. Um, Crown of Mar is a game that I've been eyeing forever. It's my Pegasus Spiel. Um, I talked about it before. It is this, um, you know, and I'm just now remembering I played Taverns of Tiefenthal with Emerson Matsushi this year, and that is now my number three. Um <laughs> Taverns of Tiefenthal, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. Um, <laughs> playing it with Emerson elevates it a little bit, for sure. And in fact, I'm going to, it's going to be Crown of Mara and Taverns <laughs> of Tiefenthal, because they're pretty similar games as far as um, you have this like town building element where you're working through. Um, uh, earning the most victory points while your opponents are also trying to do the same thing. Um, it's all about drafting and a little bit of worker placement as well. Um, both games, I think, showcase um, maybe a better example of worker placement than the Harry Potter game and more um, uh, more choice, but also more direction where you're focused on a, like more specific goals and I think Harry Potter was a little bit more wide open as to how you want to um, complete the game and try to win um, both games hit that like tavernous uh, <laughs> feel where you're in these like enclosed spaces and you're working more to, I say this I'm like doubling back but working towards more specific goals um, to production quality on both games is great there's way more pieces in taverns as opposed to Crown of Amara, but Crown of Amara is just 
a very beautiful looking game. Um, it's very eye catching, and I'm and I'm blanking on the game that I think it's similar to. Um, so I guess we'll never get there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, both games are easy easy recommendations for if you want a better um, worker placement. But I will say they are definitely more complex. Um, if if like if Harry Potter's a one point five, these are two point five. Like they're they're way more complex than the Harry Potter game. Um, but they're both great games, so I'm going to just make up my own rules and put them both at number three. <laughs> that works fine for me. That works totally fine. All right, so my next game is a game that we've talked about a lot, but for potentially different reasons. Uh, but I, I figure, you know, who the designer is shouldn't necessarily keep the game off my list. Okay. Interesting. And my number three, <laughs> my number three game uh, is Machikoro Legacy. Whoa! Which Drama. came out, in, which came out uh, <laughs> at the very end of 2019. Uh, played this year, uh, designed by Rob Davio and uh, other people who I shall not name, <laughs> because uh, it turns out they are terrible, Jay. horrible people who did really horrible things. <laughs> um, but published by Pandasaurus, and this is always a tough one, right? Because other people worked on this game, right? It just wasn't the one person who who designed this game, who created this game, who did the art, who published it. There's a lot of other people behind this game. And in talking about it, obviously, one of the people who was a designer, uh, you know, if you go out and buy this game, I'm sure based off of some contractual obligation, they're going to get a cut of money, uh, I would assume, from this game selling. That's a fair assumption. As, and I could be wrong. You know, maybe they did a just got a lump sum. I don't know. But typically, you know, you get a small percentage yeah. as a designer for game for each game sold. So take that with a grain of salt. Or I shouldn't say with a grain of salt. Take that for what it's worth as far as whether or not I'm recommending you buy this game. But I had already purchased this game uh, before <laughs> any of this stuff came to light. So, yeah. Anyway, Panda, uh, Machikoro Legacy takes the Machikoro formula and puts it into a legacy format where you play through the game one time. And one the time. decisions you make, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> play through the campaign one time, ostensibly, and the decisions you make uh, impact the future plays of the game. Uh, and it really does a good job of making this still feel like Machi Koro, which is a game I enjoy. Uh, I think the base game of Machi Koro, at this point, is a little challenging to go back to, but playing it with the expansions, I think, is still something totally viable and something I really enjoy. Uh, but it takes that very simple, you roll a dice, whatever number comes up on the dice, you see if any of your building cards match that number and are activated, and then you just do whatever it says, whether it be collecting money, getting resources, whatever it might be, um, you go ahead and do that. And then you play this out over a series of um, games, and after about 12 games or so, you have completed the Legacy Adventure. Uh, really enjoy it. It's a fun game. This is one of the few Legacy games I got the opportunity to play with more than just me and my partner. Uh, there was four of us who played this one. Nice. Uh, and I really had a lot of fun playing it. So maybe that was part of the reason I enjoyed it is having other people there. Uh, 
it's one of those that if you're looking to get someone into a legacy game who maybe hasn't played a ton of other board games, this is a really easy one to recommend. It's it's pretty straightforward. The first game is basically playing standard Machi Koro, uh, and things just kind of get a bit more complex after that, but not significantly more complex. Uh, definitely new mechanisms added. I'm not going to spoil any of this stuff, but from a um, you know complexity standpoint, difficult decision standpoint, uh, things don't get too complicated, and there is some luck with the dice rolls, right? Like. You can build up the perfect engine, but if the dice don't go your way, sometimes things aren't going to work out perfectly for you. But again, overall, you can mitigate a lot of that by some good decisions and stuff. So it's not so random that um, you're not able to make good decisions and plan appropriately. So overall, really enjoyed it. Like I said, I understand the game has some baggage, but if I'm just being genuine and honest with myself, you know, I really enjoyed Machi Koro Legacy. So it was my number three game. Nice. Uh, Josh, you're number two. Hey, and a year full of worker placement games. My number two is also a worker placement game. <laughs> Imagine that. <clears throat> this one is Dinosaur Island. So it took us forever to get to this one. Um, but I we played it because I wanted to back Dinosaur World, and I ultimately didn't. Not because I didn't want to, just because of this year. Um, so I'll buy it in a retail release. Dinosaur Island is great, and uh, it, it bums me out that, one, it took me so long to get to, and two, I didn't play with more people like when I was actively playing games with friends. Uh, this is a fantastic worker placement game. The theme, it just works, right? They made this game work, and you're essentially in charge of your own Dinosaur Island. Like, you're competing against other people, but really you're just kind of trying to keep people alive and you're trying to make money. If you've love, if you love games like, like theme park from the PC or like these planet coaster games, um, or like any of the, like the roller coaster tycoon games, this is like your cup of tea. And if you like Jurassic world, well, Hey, now you have your perfect pairing and you're essentially the park owner and you're trying to keep your, visitors alive but you're also trying to keep your park exciting enough to bring visitors in and uh, it just it works really well you just need a lot of table space um there's so many boards there's two main boards and there's your own board and then there's your components boards and you have two boards of your own so like there's a lot going on you're working with dna you're making dinosaurs you're filling your park in a way that it makes sense on a board not Tetris, but close to Tetris style. And it's just fun and exciting. And and you're also like, think like Castle of Mad King Ludwig, like you're trying to also get pieces before other people um, and add them into your park because you're actively like buying things from a pool. Uh, super fun. Uh, once again... Uh, this year, it could have been anything, right? Like any of these games with more plays could have beat any of these other games. I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy any game that I talked about, but uh, this one is definitely more memorable uh, than the other three, four, three. Awesome. Very cool. I still have to get that to the table. It's so good. <laughs> All right. My number two uh, is another game that I've talked about a lot, which I guess it's probably good that I'm talking about the games that I'm playing and I enjoy. Yes. Uh, but also a game that came out in 2019, uh, so a little bit older. 
the app-driven adventure game, Lord of the Rings Journey in Middle-Earth, uh, published by the good folks at Fantasy Flight, divide, uh, designed by Nathan Hajak and Grace Holdinghouse. Uh, this takes you exactly like it sounds, Adventuring Through Middle-Earth. It is a story-based game uh, that incorporates an app uh, and it kind of takes you through and you get a little story overview of what you're trying to accomplish in each campaign module. And then you go out and try to accomplish it. It's a game that uh, plays really well. I mean, I've only played it two player. I assume that it would play okay up to like four ish. I think you can play it technically one to five, but honestly two seems like a pretty good sweet spot for it. It gives you enough room on the board to still move around uh, and you all can still participate in the objectives that are going on. I think if you had a ton of people, might feel like a little more challenging to do that uh but overall really really enjoy the game if you like lord of the rings i think there's going to be a lot of good lore things here for you to chew on my partner's a big lord of the rings fan so they talk about some stuff that kind of goes over my head but i don't notice where she's like oh yeah because this is related to that and then and i'm like okay cool i have no idea let's go stab <laughs> the thing with my with my pokey thing uh and that's kind of what i like to do there's an interesting uh mechanic here as far as uh combat goes uh, but you can also choose to avoid combat if you want to in a lot of the areas. You don't always have to choose to go pick a fight. The different characters you can choose to be um, definitely have different strengths. Uh, and the cool thing, too, is that as you go through, you're gaining experience, and that allows you to customize your deck. Uh, and your deck really is how you're going to be able to both successfully win combat if you go into it, but also uh, navigate your skill checks and everything else that you need to do. Um, so it definitely is kind of that dungeon crawler uh, with the app kind of being the dungeon lord, if you would, to kind of walk you through everything. So if you're interested and like Lord of the Rings, I definitely recommend it. It is expensive. It is app-driven, which I know sometimes can be worrisome for people. But uh, if it's something you could jump into right away, I definitely recommend it because it is a good time. Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle-Earth. Josh, what is your number one? My number one. It can't be Gloomhaven, right? <laughs> I mean, it could be. Why not, right? Let's just do Gloomhaven three years in a row. I could make it the Steam game, right? Um, <laughs> my number one is older than Gloomhaven. <clears throat> my number one game of 2020 is... I keep wanting to say 2021. I'm just looking so much forward to it. <clears throat> uh, probably stupidly. Uh, Pathfinder by Paizo. Um I started playing Pathfinder, my first official run at a D&D style game. Uh, I've had such a fun, frustrating time with it. And I think that being frustrated makes me realize how much I'm invested in it and how much I'm enjoying it. So um, like being angry at a person playing with me for calling my character out on something is interesting feeling to have in a... I know we're loosely, we're sticking more to tabletop than board game on this one, but um, the thing, and it's gonna, he's going to hear this and it's going to make, he's going to think I'm sucking up to him and I'm not. And I don't even know if he's still listening. It's, it's a tough time of year for him. But to realize and experience how much work our GM has put into the game, in fact, he literally wrote songs for characters and plays them on guitar. It's unparalleled in the board gaming world, right? It's such an experience where I guess the closest thing would be an app-driven game, right? Where you're like a studio is literally paying someone to put on a performance. Except in this situation, not only are they putting on a performance, but they're also basically writing the game for you with loose guidelines on what they can and can't do. 
they're telling you this story and they're you're experiencing it with them and you know that the decisions you make um can like crazily crazily affect the game and how it's played and i'm like talking about this i'm immediately trying to remember when i played weave and i feel like it was last year um but weave we had a similar experience and i can definitely tell like weave was the first time i played like like a game like this like a, a tabletop rpg and you can tell the difference between what has been kind of written for you in an app and what someone has to like completely almost completely make up i would say like both experiences were enjoyable for sure but I think my time with Pathfinder so far um, has been amazing. Like the biggest headache is just trying to find time in these crazy in this crazy world to 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 get this together. Um, but if you have like an opportunity to get to a group, even if it's like over Skype, like I played Villainous over Skype how many times this year? And in fact, I left Marvel Villainous off of my list. Um, and it could have easily been on there, maybe if I played it like on Skype a few times this year. Um, but like Pathfinder or D and D or even like Kids on Bikes or some type of campaign, where you really get to like be creative and imaginative, like that's really been um, a really big highlight for me this year. So um, uh, I really that was the easiest decision I had to make on my list. Like Pathfinder was my number one. There's no question about that. Uh, it was a great time. Excellent. My number one probably will also be no surprise to most people. Uh, last time I talked about it, I had not finished the campaign yet, but I have now finished it. My number one is Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. Nice. Uh, Pandemic Legacy, the th- Season Zero is the third in the Pandemic Legacy series, uh, designed by Rob Davio and Matt Leacock, published by Z-Man. This game is the prequel to the first two, but it, you don't have to have played the first two to play this one. There are some loose threads, if you can remember like, way back to when you played one of those the first two games, uh, that you know might help you appreciate um, some of the things that happen in this game. But from a gameplay perspective, um, or from a overall story perspective, it's not important that you've played the other two uh, to play this one. Again, another legacy game. I really seem to be enjoying campaign slash legacy games more and more uh, where, you know, this game takes place over the course of 12 months. Uh, After those 12 months, the game is done. Uh, You can't really play it again. You could obviously go buy a new copy if you wanted to, but you would know most of the twists and turns that happen throughout this campaign and this story. Uh, It is a little bit of an interesting story that's told. It it does cause you to uh, have to make some decisions that you feel like maybe you don't know if you made the right decision <laughs> based off the impacts that it has on gameplay. Uh, I think playing it at two players like we did, I think made the game easier. Uh, I soured on P- Pandemic Legacy Season 2 because at the end of the game, I felt like the game got super hard um, for almost no reason. Like the game had been going fine and at the end of the game, it just got really, really hard like the last month and a half or two months in that game. Uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 0, we had a spike in the middle that was extremely challenging. Uh, but honestly, finished the game pretty easily without much issues. Part of that might have been luck. Part of that might have been um, just having a good head on our shoulders. But part of it, I think, is that when you only have two players playing this game, at the end of each game, you get uh, resources that you then get to kind of spend as a, as a team. But when there's only two of you, you kind of... And I think they do some things to balance it out for three and four players. But two of you, I still feel like you can make your character's quote unquote better than you could if you had four people playing like i don't i think the power level of our two individual characters 
we could we were much more able to do many more things than maybe if we had four players i don't think our characters would have all been able to do as many things as our characters were able hmm. to do which meant we were just more easily able to manage situations as they arose it didn't matter who was around it either one of us could do it because our characters had been built up and been powerful enough um but still overall really enjoyed it it was a great time a really fun campaign to play together like i said good decisions interesting decisions that you have to make throughout I don't know if it's my favorite of the three. It might be my favorite of the three. Probably is right now because of recency bias, but definitely something if you're interested in legacy games, whether you've played the first one, two, or not, uh, can't recommend Pandemic Legacy Season Zero high enough. It is a good, good time. So with that, those are our top five board games of 2020-ish that Josh and I have played. If you would like to let us know what your favorite games that you have played this year are, are we would love to hear them so please reach out let us know on social media what are some of your favorite games uh that you have played this year yes with that we're going to kind of move towards wrapping up the show josh prediction time what do you think will be (laughs) announced on monday that will be you know talked about before this episode releases tuesday i can't say cyberpunk is delayed anymore no you can't that's over uh we get a release date for ratchet and clank Ooh, about, that'd be exciting. Or like something I never understood the week leading up to Christmas or the week before. Uh, why more people aren't putting release dates out for things like this is gift card season. It is like if you want, is. like someone goes, okay, all right, so it's the fourteenth. We got a week till Christmas. PlayStation just announced Ratchet and Clank's coming out February fifteenth. And my aunt's been asking me what I want for Christmas for a month. Now I can say, I want a PlayStation Store gift card or That's whatever. Right. Like, I don't understand why more stu- like people, maybe we get a PlayStation uh, state of play announcement, but uh, maybe I'll just tie both of those predictions into one. We find out the release date <laughs> for Ratchet and Clank. So that's good. I think there's going to be some more studio acquisition news. I don't know if you saw over the weekend, Josh, that uh, (laughs) EA now has entered the running for Codemasters. Have you seen this? Yeah, I did see. It's like this. I always find these things interesting because basically it's like uh, a bidding war for a hostile takeover. (laughs) Someone decided that Codemasters should be bought. And then everyone else is like, okay, I agree with you. We're also going to try to buy them. And and then Codemasters is like, wait, what? Since when? Why? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, no, I hear you. But I think, you know, whether it be that or something else, I think we're going to get some some news as far as a studio being acquired by someone else. So that's what I say is going to happen on Monday. Cool. All right. And with that, we are going to wrap things up with our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to leave you with something else we're currently into that is helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation this week? I'm watching my son possibly get up out of bed. So this will be interesting. So uh, (laughs) uh, I didn't really have much. I would say... I don't want to say it was a joyless week, but I didn't find anything that was like sparking joy. Nothing was condoing it for me. Uh, Last night after I played, so I played a bunch of um, hockey with Lucas from Flux to Pose and PSVG Prime. And then I was like, "Eh, I'm not ready for bed. Do I play Cyberpunk? Eh." So I opened up YouTube. And every once in a while, there's like a gem hidden in the recommendations. 
So there was a, a, a one hour and 14 minute episode of a show called The Big Fat Quiz of Everything. Um, and it's hosted by Jimmy Carr, which is he's a very f- a funny British comedian that I enjoy. Um, and it has three teams of two competing against each other and basically trivia of all different, like of everything. Uh, Chelsea Peretti was on the team and then uh, um, something that might lead into a future well-rounded life. Two of the guys from the IT crowd, which is a show I've never watched, the British version, Noah Fielding and the other guy. I can't think of his name. Um, they were all competing and Jack Whitehall was on one of the teams too. So it was like the ultimate British comedians plus Chelsea Peretti, who I love from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It was just an amazingly funny and fun show. And I was happy to find out there's a bunch of more episodes on there. Um, so yeah, check out if you have time, even if you want to parse it out on YouTube, you can find it. I don't know where it's probably BBC originally. Uh, the big fat quiz of everything. Uh, I watched season one, episode one. I don't know how many seasons it goes, but I know that there's listings for other episodes. Um, but it was great. It was a fun hour and 10 minutes that I totally didn't regret staying up till past midnight and being up at 5 a.m. with my son. <laughs> totally didn't regret that. Uh, but yeah, if you like comedy, um, it's, you know, it's a lot of British comedy too. So you have to be okay with some some dry stuff as well. But uh, uh, it was very enjoyable. I had a great time watching it. So... Um, my recommendation is a real, I think a really, really good movie might be one of my favorite movies of the year. You're saying this um, as if people aren't going to agree with you. No, it just because yours was all like funny and laughy and I, I would not describe this movie as Schindler's like, list. <laughs> no, uh, as funny. Um, it, I'll say it's powerful. Uh, it's on, uh, Amazon prime. Okay. And it's called sound of metal. Oh, uh, with the Riz Ahmed. Yes. Uh, I don't want to tell you anything more about it because I think um, watching it to kind of learn what it's about uh, is a uh, important part uh, of um, kind of understanding this. Movie. You could say he's a drummer. That's not a spoiler. That's true. He is a drummer, um, and he actually learned to play drums for it, the part two, which is which is cool. Uh, but yeah, it's really good. It's really powerful. I don't know what I was expecting from it, but it was much more than I was expecting. Uh, especially if you were someone who enjoys quote unquote cinema, like I think you're really going to enjoy this. If you're sitting down looking for a, a light breezy flick to pass a couple hours, I would not recommend this. But if you're really looking down to watch a like good movie, um, Sound of Metal, Amazon Prime, I definitely recommend it. So with that, then Josh, what do you say how we wrap this show up? Well, we might as well because we'll be stuck here all night if we don't. Uh, thanks for joining us everyone in addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board of 3G you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board of 3G so feel free to give us a 5 star rating over there and thank you to everyone who already has also if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media please feel free to send us an email at boardwithvg at gmail.com we've been getting emails for months but someone wanting us to promote swimwear, and I have been just deleting those emails. <clears throat> uh, we won't promote. We won't promote anything that doesn't make sense for us to promote. <laughs> uh, we tag our stuff with hashtag board with VG. So please feel free to use that hashtag as well on all social medias. 
in whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, uh, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox and PlayStation at Why So Serious. That's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. I swear I'll change my Twitch soon to match that. Otherwise, don't worry about it. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me at all the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media. Like I said, next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about our video game top 10 games of the year. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but also, we want to talk about what you want to hear about. So let us know what your favorite games of the year were um, and any other topics you want us to cover. Let us know. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.